I just finished before this mass the third discussion on building a culture of active discipleship. And I think our readings on this Gaudaute Sunday really kind of, they butt up really nicely with that particular discussion in that we're given this, this moment with John the Baptist where all of these different people are coming to him. They're coming to him and they're, they're, they have this expectation. They want the Messiah to come. They want this new kingdom. They want this, they want this new life that they are not experiencing right now. The Romans are in charge. Their, their lives are crazy. They want the Savior. They want, the, they want their Messiah to come and set things right. And they kind of think it might be him. So that's why they're asking him these questions. And I love these questions. I should probably clarify. Actually, I love the answer. I love the answers better. Because one of the things and excuses that I hear from Christians all the time is about how difficult this journey of being a Christian is. It's too hard. It takes too much work. I don't have time. What's the use anyway? And I think that's important because people who find themselves there, and most of us have found ourselves there at some point in our journey, probably not today, which is good. But if you are, hang in there. I do have good news for you. But when people are there, they're lacking joy that that pink candle and my vestments signify today. Joy. And we're called to rejoice. And why are we called to rejoice? Well, in the first reading and the second reading is made crystal clear because Emmanuel, God, the King, is in our midst. He is here. But life is hard. God's not worried. It's not hard for God. But uh, I have so many problems. I can fix your problems. We have a God who wants to be so much a part of our lives that he can help us with anything and through anything. And to be honest, I have never, I've gone through some tough times in my life, but I have never gone through anything that he has gone through for me. Anything worse for me. That was awful. And why did he do it? To rescue me, to rescue you. And one of the things that I have stated many times, even in homilies, to rescue me from me. I remember Monsignor Paprini one time in the seminary. Weeks, don't you fear anyone? Yeah. Who? Me. Why would you say that? Because no one's ever gotten me into more trouble than me. I can walk away, I can run away from an attacker. I just usually choose to face them. It's a problem, right? So he comes to rescue us. He comes to rescue us from me. And I love this, this engagement with him. And everybody come to him. It's, what should we do? Whoever has two cloaks should give one to somebody who doesn't have any. For those who has food, 
share a little bit of the food you have with somebody who has none. That's not, to, that's not over the top. That's not like asking for any major life change. All that's asking is, could you just be a good human being? You can do this. This is easy. Tax collectors. What should we do? Stop collecting more than what's prescribed. Do your job. Quit asking for more. Soldiers and us. Quit extorting people. Don't do that. Right? Don't falsely accuse anybody. Stop it. And you'll be fine. He's not asking us to do more than what we totally are capable of doing. And we can rejoice because the king is with us and, he, and he's here to teach us. And what I love most about this particular gospel passage is that they want to, they think he's the Christ. And he's like, I am not the Christ. I am baptizing you with water, but the one who is coming after me will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. And why we really have good news today, really good, good news, and why we should rejoice is because the baptism I received and the baptism you received was not the baptism of John the Baptist. It wasn't just with water. It was with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the baptism you received. That's the baptism I received. And that's the baptism I celebrate every time a little child is brought to me for baptism. And that child, I was grafted onto the body and made a member of Christ's body and a part of his church. I've been grafted into a mission to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to captives, and how many times have I been able to do that through the sacrament of reconciliation? To be able to look in the eyes of somebody who has been wrapped in sin, maybe been out of the confessional for 30 years, finally being called, not by me, not by anyone else, but I ask them all the time, what brings you in today after 30 years? God really put it heavy on my heart. I need to do this. And what did you come to do? What did you come to say? And to be able to sit there and receive it, not me, but for the one for whom I sit, and to smile and say, you are, after absolution, you are being made as clean as the day of your baptism. Go and be free of this. Rejoice. The reflection for today in the Magnificat from Blessed John, John Baptiste Scalabrini, Bishop of Pienza in Italy. We must not simply live in Jesus Christ. Rather, he himself must be our life and must live in us. We must live in us 
with his spirit, with his grace, with the impression of his mysteries, with the application of his merits, with the efficacy of his sacraments, above all, with the sacrament of his body and blood, so that we can say with the apostle, yet I live, no longer I, but Christ lives in me. This, this means that Christ lives in our heart and reigns there like a master and king. It means that Christ's spirit expands and grows in us and that like life-giving heat, Christ encompasses us, sets everything right again, warms everything, sanctifies everything, and divinizes everything. He loves with our heart, thinks with our mind, speaks with our tongue, and works with our hands. On this third Sunday of Advent, one of the things that I reflected with last night as I gathered with some of our Spanish-speaking community to celebrate the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is whose feast is today, but she steps aside for the third Sunday of Advent, for this Gaudaute Sunday, and she does so happily, I'm sure. I asked them the question, because I've been asking this question to people as we've been going through these days of Advent. Perhaps you've experienced a time in your life where just things are just falling apart or, you know, people who you love are falling against you or coming up against you or maybe just the, the pressures of life are too much. She came to a group of people whose life was just like that. And she converted a nation. A nation. She didn't do that just once. She's done that a bunch of times. Like, she just pops into human history and rocks worlds. So I was inspired to ask the question. Do you believe that she's going to do it again? Do you believe that she can? What if she does? What if she does it and we get to experience it? What if we're the new nation? I think we are living in times that she just might want to let her presence be known. I think we are living in times that there's a lot of reason to rejoice because our king is here. Emmanuel, he is with us. And he wants to speak 
with my tongue. He wants to think with my mind. And he wants to love with my heart. And yours. But we really just need to move out of the way. And allow him the space to do it. And make no doubt about it. The Christ alive in you and in me is very much present and powerful enough to make maybe that weakened, quiet, maybe beat up Jesus in the other in whom we are sent to meet to make that Jesus leap for joy. A, re a reawakening of something they knew many years ago. That is literally what we are being invited into. A ministry of encounter with those lost souls, those wayward souls of our church who are just starving to hear good news again. So, in the words of Our Lady, let it be done according to your word.